Hello, good morning, good morning, afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to TLC. It's good to have you guys here. You know, let's give it up for the praise team. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah, thank God. Yes. Full band today. Amazing. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the staff we've hired at TLC, Paul and Kevin. Uh, they have made the, the preparation of each message so much, uh, so much easier and so much uh, uh, clearer. And, you know, it makes it so I preach a little shorter, right? Which is probably what you guys are appreciative of. <laughs> they, we, uh, if you guys didn't know, we, what we do every Friday is we get together and we, uh, we go through the message um, that we're about to preach. And, you know, we cut through some of the stuff that gets kind of lost in, in, in talk. So that way we get to the point that actually makes sense. And it's, uh, it's been very helpful. And I'm very grateful. So if you guys ever see them, you know, uh, give them some love and encouragement and affirmation. And thank them that Pastor Tony preaches so much shorter now because of it. All right. Why are you guys laughing? You're supposed to say, no, we love it. All right. Yeah. Hey, guys, we are in, uh, we're moving towards the end of our series on daring to draw near to God. All right. It's a, it's a series that we, we designed with the intention of asking the question. You know, it's, it's one thing to understand how important it is to be with God versus just doing things for God. But it's another thing to actually begin to encounter God. It's another thing to actually come to a place where you are meeting with the Lord of the universe, the God of creation, the often perfecter of your faith, the one who is called your father and king. And this series was designed to, 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 to give you an understanding of what it would look like if you would actually dare to draw near, the transformation that he would actually take you through. Because a lot of times in our Christian life, we, we have these kind of little like blitz of moments that we have with God, but that's really it. And most of the time, our, our life stays really stagnant. And God wants to take us deeper. He wants to transform us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. But the problem is we dare not draw near to him, and therefore we dare not be changed. We cannot be changed. And we've been going through so many um, instances in the scripture of how men and women have come near to God and have their life transformed forever. We see, uh, we see um, Jacob wrestling with God. We see uh, Joshua dealing with God. We see um, our faith tested. We see our, our, our lives mastered. We see these people who've come into contact with God and the result is transformation. Church, I really pray that we are not just the people who give lip service to God whose outside appearance has the Christian uh, aura, but the inside there's nothing. I pray that what looks like on the outside is matched because of what's happening on the inside. And that's what this series is about. And today I want to share with you uh, another issue, that, another thing that happens when you dare to draw near to God is that when you face circumstances... Instead of having the circumstances master you, you will be able to master your circumstances. When you dare to draw near to God, what ends up happening is that you will not be mastered by your circumstances, but that your circumstances, uh, I'm sorry, you, your circumstances will not master you, but you will master your circumstances. And we're going to learn that through the life of Abraham. So if you can open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 15. Let me give you a quick background on Abraham. He is called the father of faith. And his life picture is like this. If, if we can do it in a nutshell, if I, can, if I can just map out his schematics of his life in a nutshell, it looks something like this. 
He was a nobody, no name, no nothing, and yet God decided to choose him, to choose this man to create a nation and a people and ultimately to bring forth Jesus Christ, his Savior, to the world. He chose this man to begin the ultimate plan of redemption that God has for humanity. So how did he begin the story? God meets Abraham. God encounters Abraham, and God tells Abraham this. I'm going to send you out. And Abraham, being a pagan worshiper in the land of nobodies, he looked at God, he, he asked God, well, where do I go when you send me out? And you know what God says? He says, I'll tell you later, but are you willing to just go? And you can imagine if you were Abraham in this place, you're thinking like, go where? And God says, I'll tell you later, just go. And again, you can imagine Abraham asking, okay, if I go down the street and there's a left turn and a right turn to take, which way do I go? And God says what? Just go and I'll tell you later. There was a precipice, a threshold that Abraham had to encounter. He was going to leave back his family, his nation, his people, to just leave that place to desert it and go to a whole different place where he is not known, not loved, not um, cared for, has no accountability, has no support. And God says, I want you to get up and go. Where? Just go. And guess what? He did. And another encounter that God says, Abram, I will give you a land. He's wandering, not, you know, he's here. He's going. And God comes, encounters him again and says, I will give you a land. And then Abram asks, where is this land? And what did God say? I'll tell you later. Just wander. Like, for how long? I'll tell you later. Just wander. Like, can you tell me to wander towards the land? So just in case I'm about to get there, I'll know to set up camp? No, I'll tell you later. Just wander. And again, Abraham was placed in this threshold, this precipice, this, this moment of faith, this, this moment where he had to choose between what he wants and maybe what God is calling him. And in that moment, he could have looked to his circumstances and let it master him, but instead what? He said, okay, I'll just wander. And again, God comes to him and says, Abram, I'll give you a child in his old age, 99. I'll give you a child. His wife is barren, can't have a kid. And he asked the question, how? How? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wait. Like, how long do I have to wait? Like, you know, like, Menopause is real, you know, things happen, things dry up, it doesn't happen, you know. How? I'll tell you later. Just wait. And again, he, he's, he's been placed in this precipice, this threshold of a choice. He's been placed in this moment where the circumstances could have mastered him, and yet, what happens? Scripture says he was a man of faith. And then, and then finally, this craziest part of it all, God encounters him again and says, go and give up your only child whom you love. <coughs> Sacrifice him on this mountain. The child of your old age, the child of miracle, sacrifice him. 
And Abraham asked the question, what? Why? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just walk. Just walk up the mountain. Why, God, would you ask such a thing? I'll tell you later. Just walk. Do you, do you understand Abraham's life? And, and throughout all of that, he was not a perfect man, by the way. He is just like us, full of questions, full of doubts, full of mistakes, constantly doing the dumbest things in the world. And yet, in the moments of threshold, in the moments when circumstances come before him, in the moment when he had to make a decision, in the moment when he had to pull through, he was a man who was mastery of his circumstance. And I think a lot of us, we, we, we've been placed in areas like that with, with God, haven't we? When God, when God calls us into his life and he says, I want you to go. I want you to surrender. I want you to wait. I want you to trust. I want you to walk. And we ask, how, where, why? But the funniest thing is when circumstances come our way, We've let it master us instead of, being mas instead of mastering it. The life of Abraham was a life that mastered his circumstances. That is why he was called the father of faith. He was not a perfect life. I want to I make sure you understand this. He was not a perfect life. He sold his wife out twice, right? He, he, he slept with another woman because he thought he, could, he, had, he needed to take God's plan to his own hands. He done a lot of foolish things, foolish things in his life. He made a lot of dumb mistakes, and yet he was called the father of faith. Do you know why? Because when the circumstances came, he did not let it master him, but he mastered it. And my prayer for you, church, is this. Oh, God will speak to you if you will search for him. I think God is saying a lot of things to you even today, in these past few months, even this past year. That God has stirred something in your heart and these moments come and, you're, and you're, you entertain the idea. But then you begin to do what? You, be, you, you begin to do your, 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 your calculus. How? What? When? Why? And you begin to try to map it out until you finally feel like, I understand it, then I'll do. And yet the whole time God is saying, I don't need your calculus. I don't want your calculus. I don't want the where, when, how, what, why. I want you to... Trust. Now I'll tell you later, but just take that step first. But because the circumstances are so dire, so huge in our lives, what do we do? We let it master us. And so instead of drawing near to God, encountering that relationship with God, getting deeper with God, what do we do? We distance ourselves. And we kind of wait for the next time God speaks again. The next time God brings it up again. The next time that God kind of speaks to us. Hopefully the next time we'll be ready, right? Today I want to share with you that if you dare to draw near to God, you can master your circumstance. Abraham led a life of disappointment, discouragement, ups and downs, but how did he master his circumstances rather than letting it master him? Today I want to share with you guys. When you dare to draw near to God, you will master your circumstance. You can master it. Here's how. Let's open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15, we'll read verses 1 through 6. You can follow along with our notes if you guys have it, if you guys are looking. Open your Bibles. 
After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offsprings be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. When you dare to draw near to God, you will master your circumstances. But how? How? How do we even come to, whenever the God, God has taken us to this place where a choice must be made. Maybe some of you guys are sitting there and, and God is not a, uh, a reality of your life, but he's taking you to this point, to this threshold where you're seeking and you're, and you're wondering. He's asking, I want you to give my, your life to me. And you're asking me, can I? Why? And he says, do it. Trust me. And you're doing your calculus. What would that cost for me to give up my life? To you. Some of you guys have been in the faith for a long time, and God says, I want you to take this next step in your Christian faith. And you're doing this calculus, but I have, I, have, I, have, I have mortgages to pay. I got family to take care of. I need to get a job, God. I have a lot of things happening in my life that I don't know if I can do this. Circumstances are there. And so God begins to say, listen, how did Abraham, in the same situation we are in, how did Abraham do this? Because what did God do? God says, Abraham... I will give you an heir. Abraham, I will give you offsprings that will outnumber the stars. I will keep my promises to you. What did Abraham say? What did the Bible say? Abraham believed the Lord. This is very different here. He didn't believe in the Lord. The Bible said Abraham believed the Lord. There's a difference because you can believe in the Lord and not believe the Lord. Right? I can believe in the Lord, but it doesn't mean that I have to believe the Lord. I know he's there, but it doesn't mean that I have to actually listen and believe what he's telling me. But you can't do the other way. You cannot believe the Lord and not believe in the Lord. Most of us, we live in this plane of I believe in the Lord. Yeah, God exists, for sure. I know that. But we don't step into the next place, which is what? To believe the Lord. To believe the Lord, it meant that Abraham trusted what God had to say no matter what the circumstances was. He based his life on one thing and one thing only, what God said. What God said. To believe the Lord is to trust God regardless of the circumstances based on only one thing, his word. God said to Abraham, I will give you a land. I will give you a child. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And from your name, from your seed, I will bless the world. That is my word to you, Abraham. And the Bible says Abraham did what? Believed the word. He believed it. Anchor yourself on the word I gave you. Hold on to that. The book of Hebrew in uh, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, the Bible says that God's promise to Abraham was like the anchor to his soul. God's promise to Abraham like the anchor of his soul. Do you guys know what an anchor does? Okay. Whenever I go swimming in the ocean, like the ocean is like, it's one of my favorite places to go, but it's like one of the most scariest places to go, 
right? Like there's one time, I remember when I was a little younger, I, I just decided I'm going to go out there and just lay in the ocean. I'm just going to lay there. I was trying to be like all like, like emo or like very deep. I'm just laying there. I'm just looking at the sky, right? I'm just staring there. I'm just, I'm just, and I'm just laying there thinking like nothing's going to happen. And then after like two minutes, I look up. And where I was originally, I've drifted, right? I didn't drift it in. I drifted out. And it freaked me. I was like, what the, right? What just happened here? I felt like I was just in one's position. Everything was fine. But all of a sudden, as I was laying there, the ebb and the flow of the water just led me away. What does an anchor do? An anchor goes beyond the water, beds into the sand, into the rocks to hold you down. So no matter the ebbs and flows of life, you stay grounded. You stay on a drift. If there was no anchor, the water would force, the boat, uh, force us to drift to wherever, we, we, uh, to God knows where. Right? How did Abraham in his life master his circumstances? The first thing is this. Abraham believed the Lord. He believed the word of the Lord but because the word of the Lord was the anchor to his soul. My question to you is, what is the anchor to your soul? What is anchoring your soul? Is it your looks? Your job? Your relationship? Your money? Your possessions? Can I tell you something about those things? Those, those are like the water. They ebb and they flow. You know why? Because they're here one day and they're gone the next. It doesn't matter how much you try to take care of your, 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 your aesthetics, your looks, eventually you will grow old. You will lose muscle mass. You will have wrinkles. Things will sag, right? You cannot help that. It ebbs and it's flow. It does not change because circumstances, like those things, are circumstances that will always change. Your money, sometimes you will have more. Other times you will have less. Your relationship, some will do great, some will not. Relationships ebbs and flow. Everything ebbs and flows. It doesn't hold you. It drifts you from one thing to the next. But the promise of God is an anchor. The promise of God is an anchor that holds us still. So no matter how crazy life gets, it is the word of God that holds us solid in the midst of an ebbing and flowing world. In the midst of circumstances that comes our way, it is the word of God that tells you, I am for you, not against you. When I have saved you, I will save you. You are my son, you are my daughter. There is nothing on earth and heaven that will keep you away from me. That even if you think, even if you would fall out of my hands, Jesus says, my father's hand is there to catch you. There is no sin too great, no sin too high that will ever cast me away from you. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, so is your sin from my eyes. Come, let us, let us, let us reason for a moment. Though your sin is as red as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Oh, that he would speak and he would tell you these things, his word. Are you anchored to that? Do you hold to that? Or do you let the circumstances of your life drift you from one thing to the next? Doesn't it? You drift, you know, sometimes I always see when people break up, they drift towards going, working out because they feel like, you know, it's because they didn't look good or something, Right? And then they, say, they start working out, start looking good, so they get all, like, all confident again. And, and then they, they get in a relationship, and they realize what? Then they, they start drifting to the relationship, right? That didn't work out. Maybe it was my money or my job, so they start going back to careers. Drift and ebb and flow. Isn't that true? Back and forth, trying to figure out what anchors me. 
what completes me, what holds me still. And yet the whole time, Abraham's action was this. He believed the Lord. He didn't believe in the Lord. That is true. He did believe in the Lord. But the main thing was what? He believed God at his word. At his word. Because what? God is not a circumstance. He does not change. He will outlast heaven and earth. He will outlast your job. He will outlast your looks. He will outlast your relationship, your money, your house, your life. He will outlast it all because God is the strong tower. He is the rock. He will not move and he will not ebb. He is the one who is unchanging from the beginning to the end. That is why we believe the Lord at his word. But here's the funny thing. You guys ready? Here's the funny thing. Because right after the Bible says, Abraham believed the Lord. The question is still was, how was Abraham able to anchor himself to this, right? Because there's one thing, I believe the Lord, but how do I anchor myself to this? What, what gives me the ability to actually hold on to this word so deeply, so truthfully? So, how can I trust this word with all my heart and not let any circumstances get in my way? Because check this out. It's so funny. Right? I love Abraham's response because it's, it's like ours, I think. So, so real. So after verse 6, the Bible says what? Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him as righteous. But after he was given that affirmation, verse 7, he said this. Uh, he also said to him, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of, the, uh, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Now here, verse 8. But Abraham said this. Right? After he believed the Lord, I believe your word, God. But O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Isn't that some, something we would ask? Like, I believe that you saved me, but how would I know? I believe your word that you tell me to take this step of faith, but how do I know that actually will come out the way I hope? I believe that, you, that you, you've asked me to go to this place, but how do I know I will have it? How do I know that the promises are true? How do I know that this is real? Right? It's a, very, it's a very honest question to ask, and I think we ask that question all the time. How do I know? And this is what happens here. Okay? And what God is about to do here is to show him how he knows. Verse 8, no, verse 9. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, that he did not cut. And the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. So what's happening here? So the question that Abraham's from his soul, he believed the Lord, but, not, but from his a real life human question was, but how do I know? How do I know this will happen to me? How do I know I will get this? How do I know that the, my circumstances will not take hold of me? How do I know that I can overcome these circumstances? How do I know? And then God says, bring me the heifer. Bring me the goat. And Abraham does it. I mean, the Bible just said he, he knew exactly what was happening. He just grabbed it. He started cutting it up. What was he doing? How, how does he know what God was saying? What God was doing at this very moment was that God was going to say, I'm going to make a contract with you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a promise with you. This is a covenant ratification ceremony. We're going to do a ceremony where I am going to show you that I'm going to tell you how you know, how you can know that what I have said to you will happen. We're going to do the ceremony together. Back then, they, they, they weren't as wimpy as we are today, right? Back then, 
today, we, when we do a contract, we, we sign our names, right? That was, that's the main thing. And if anything happens, we sue each other, blah, 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 right? That's, that's a very wimpy way to do a contract. But back then, when they did a contract, it was a contract. You know what it was? You know how this contract was? They will put themselves, the contract, the idea of this covenant, this, this whole heifer and the whole goat thing, it means this. They will put themselves in position that they would act out the consequences of unfaithfulness right before everyone. The way you take an oath back then wasn't simply signing, right? It was to take an animal, slay it, cut it, walk between it, and this is what you're saying when you do that. You're saying, if I do not do everything I am promising now, may I be cut off, may I be destroyed to feed the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Their contract was a physical representation. They saw it. If you break this contract, this will happen to you. Got the ram. Split it in half. Got the birds. Split it in half. Walk through it. If, if I were to break this contract, this will be what happened to me. Now you're thinking, that's the, have you ever seen an animal get cut in half? I don't think so, right? If you see it, it's pretty dang gruesome, okay? And you're thinking, no, I do not want to break this contract ever, right? I do not want that, all that happened to me. So what Abraham was realizing, what God was doing is like, God is trying to ratify a covenant with me, a promise to me, a contract to me. So he gets excited. He's coming in there, and he's doing all this stuff. But what God was about to do, no one on earth anticipated. What God was about to do, no one on earth anticipated, not even Abraham. You guys ready? That was my clickbait. You guys ready? Right? What is Abraham going to, what is God going to do? Look at verse 12 to 16. So he did all of this. He put it together. Verse 12 to 16. And as the sun was setting... Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. There was something heavy at that moment. The weight of darkness was on his shoulders. Something so profound, so deep, so debilitating. It was there, and it's almost like he fell into a trance, okay? Then the Lord said to him, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this, this, this covering, this heaviness, right? The Lord said to him, know for certain not know for hopeful, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish that nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. Meaning what? The promise your, your, your children, your descendants will inherit. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sins of the Amorites had not yet reached its full measure. Okay? And when the sun had set and darkness fallen, a smoking pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Abraham fell into this deep sleep, right? And this is reminded. This is for certain. He was reminding them what will happen. This is for certain. I love you. I've saved you. I will make a name great for you. You are mine, I am yours. There's nothing on earth, heaven or hell, that will ever strip me from your love, from my love. Nothing. No sin too great, nothing too crazy that will ever separate me from you. This is what he was telling Abraham. Nothing will do that. This is what he's telling you. Nothing will do that. And then what does he do here? Verse 17 says what the... The smoking pot and blazing torch. Two words that represents the very presence of God, okay? It's like the pillar of fire and the smoke, 
the pillar of cloud and the, uh, when Moses led the people out of Egypt. It was the very presence of God at that moment. So here's the darkness that was covering Abraham. He was, he was full. Of, he was in this trance. He kind of fell asleep. He didn't know what was happening. And God spoke through that darkness and says, I will make certain that this is for you. Remember this. Do not forget this. Read my word. Remember my word. Remember what I'm telling you. I will make certain it will happen. And then, and then, what did God do? The presence of God passed between the pieces. It went down the aisle made by the piece of the animals. And do you know why what God did in this moment was so incredible? Do you know why it was so shocking? Do you know why it was so astonishing? Because when you make a covenant and a promise, it's usually the lesser vassal that walks through or both walks through to, to ratify that promise. What God was telling Abraham is this. I will be the only one that walks through. Right? You know what that means? That if I don't keep the promise to you, let my immutability, my power, my omniscience, everything I am be taken away. If I do not keep this promise to you, may my immortality suffer mortality, may my infinity suffer limitless, may my power suffer powerless, may I be cut off, may I be destroyed, may my body be ripped to pieces, that is what I will tell you. But on top of that, even if you don't keep the promise, even if you can't make it, I will make it happen too. God is saying, even if you, Abraham, may I be cut off, if I don't do my part of the promise. But Abraham, may I be cut off if you don't do yours as well. God was telling Abraham, no matter what, I will make it happen. This is the gospel. You guys see that? This is the gospel. No matter what, I will bless you, Abraham, even if it means I would have to die. Centuries later, darkness came again. A darkness that covered the whole earth. At the sixth hour, darkness came upon Christ as he was crucified. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Isaiah 53, verse 8, speaks into that. He says this, He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. God was cut, trampled to death. To say what? I know you can't keep it. All right? I know you can't keep it. I don't want you to worry. I will make it. So even if you cannot keep it, I will be cut off for you. Do you know how amazing that is? Do you know how unbelievable that is? This is, the reality is this. When you ask the question, how do I know, God? How do I know that the circumstances will not take over me? How do I know that these things that, that, that are coming before me, all these questions I have, what you're asking me to do, how do I know that I can get through it? And God is saying, look to the cross. Look to the cross. I will keep my side, but even when you don't keep your side, the cross shows you how far I will go to make sure that this promise happens. So when God says this, he who began a good work in you, he will see it to completion. You know what that means? It means that when God has called you his, he will not rest until you are completely his. He will not rest. He will move heaven and earth. He will move all of things. He will, he will even give his own life to make sure that that promise 
is make sure. When he says, I will forgive you your sins, no matter how bad the transgressions are, not just your past, but your present and your future. You are mine now and forever. You know what that means? That means exactly that. Church, if you are sitting there and you're suffering and, you're, and you've let your circumstances because you felt the guilt and the weight of your sins or your faithlessness or even just your, your, your worthlessness before God overcome you to this point, and you're thinking, God can't possibly use me, God can't possibly want me, God can't, po- he's possibly sick of me. I want you to look at the cross and remember what Abraham saw at that moment. Abraham, God told Abraham, may I be cut off if I don't do my part of the promise. But Abraham, may I be cut off if you don't do yours. I will carry it to completion. It's good news, church. It's good news of hope. It's good news of strength. And it gives you the what? The conviction and the authority and the courage to face your circumstances. I don't know what God's calling you to do. Maybe God's called you to give up your home like Abraham and just go. You're thinking, that's just crazy, God. I don't know if I can do that. I'm doing the calculus. I'm doing the math. and it's just, it's just too much. I don't know if it's worth it. How do I know it's worth it? I believe that you sent me. I believe that you're telling me. I believe it's real. I believe in you. I know you're good. But how do I know? How do I know? And God is saying, look to my son. That's how you know. I will keep my promise. And when you fail... I will let you know, I will still keep my promise. You will see the fruition of the promises I have given you. I don't know what Jazz is going through in life, right? But every one of us, whether a believer or not, eventually, somewhere down the line, God brings us to a place, a threshold, a choice, a reality. To be made. In that moment, in that moment, you know you're at this moment. You know how you know at that moment? It's when you start doing your Christian calculus or you're doing your human calculus. You're asking all the questions. You're going through all the works. You're trying to figure out the best way through this. You're trying to find every loophole possible to do what you need to do and yet still feel comfortable about it. And when you've come to a place when you realize, I can't. The calculus doesn't work out. I feel like I'm going to get screwed no matter what. It's going to hurt. It's going to, the sacrifice seems too much. In that moment, in that moment, two things begin to happen. One, the question is, will you believe in the Lord or will you believe the Lord? His word to you. The second thing is this. The question that comes up in your heart is, how do I know? How do I know? Would you look to the cross, church? Would you look to the cross, and know that if he was going to go that far for you, you think that all of a sudden now he's going to stop midway promise? If he was going to give his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and go that far, do you think that now in this moment he will stop midway through promise? No, church, he will carry it to completion. How long do I wander? I'll tell you later, just wander. When will you give me a child? I'll tell you later. Just go. Just wait. Why are you asking me of this? I'll tell you later. Just do. You know how long it took Abraham? 
his whole entire life, his whole entire, not just a couple years here, his whole entire life to see just part of the promise fulfilled. He, he actually didn't even see the whole promise fulfilled. It was his descendants later on that did it. But even that, even that, he took the promise as is. He, he, honestly, he didn't even know that that was going to happen to his descendants. He didn't know if he was going to have any descendants. He went to his grave still trusting the promise of God. See, we have something better than Abraham. We have the actual picture of the cross. God himself laying it down. So here's my last thing to you guys. If God will go that far, if God will go that far to tell you that he is, when he is, says he is certain, he is certain, do you really believe, believe he will stop midway? Do not let your circumstances master you. Then may you dare to draw near to this cross, this reality. May you become the master of your circumstances. Let's pray.